2: Cambrian. 542 million.
1: Complex life explodes. Permian Triassic. 251 million. 90% of species die. Cretaceous Tertiary. 65 million.
3: Meteor kills the dinosaurs. 55
2: million. Primates appear. 2.3 million. Pleistocene.
1: 200,000. Humans. 20,000.
2: Agricultural.
1: 250. Revolution.
2: Industrial Revolution.
1: 60 million. Great animals. acceleration. The Anthropocene. Welcome to Generation Anthropocene. I'm Mike Osborne. Today on the show, I'm doing something a little bit different. Recently, I learned about a new limited podcast series called Carbon Valley. It's produced by Wyoming Public Media. You probably know this, but coal is a really important resource and a really important industry for the state of Wyoming. However, coal production has been on the decline since 2008. And more and more, the state is trying to push for carbon capture utilization and storage technologies. So this series is really about the state's efforts to bring these technologies to Wyoming. The host, Cooper McKen, tracks the story of a multi-million dollar competition to try and develop these technologies and anchor them in Wyoming. I think it's a really great listen. So today on the show, I'm going to bring you episode one of that series. Enjoy.
0: I've been driving a while already, going 70 miles an hour on a two-lane road. I've driven up and across Wyoming plenty of times, but it still feels like an expedition across Mars. Prairie rolls into the distance, where you can see a faint outline of mountains. There's no sign of civilization. Hold on, maybe I am on Mars. I'm driving up to Gillette, the coal capital of the US. As I get closer, the vehicles change. Every car turns into a truck, serving some purpose for oil and gas or coal. As I get even closer, I see mines larger than I can wrap my head around. That's where coal comes from here. It's currently the summer of 2019, right after another coal company filed for bankruptcy. One morning, a couple weeks ago, hundreds of coal miners went to work. And then, we're just told to go home. It was chaos, as two mines just closed. On this trip, I ended up talking with a guy I'd never met named Ty Cordingley, one of the miners who lost their job. We sat down at the Village Inn.
4: Yeah, I was, uh, as a summer student, I worked at the Coal Mine, Bel Air, and then uh, 13 years in the industry now. And then two months, or July, I got laid off with uh, Black Jewel. Now I'm lucky to be working back in Thunder
0: we're sitting in a booth in the back of the diner. Ty wears a bright orange t shirt and a neon hat with the name of his new coal mine, Black Thunder. He's tired with bags under his eyes. We're both holding onto our mugs of coffee for dear, sweet energy life. My long drive is weighing on me. The waitress pours us both more.
4: But the mining industry's been great for me, for hours. I'm now a young. Father, so I, like Billy said earlier, the benefits, I mean, the insurance, and I wanted to be in Wyoming. And Wyoming has stubbornly refused to do any direction or any planning.
0: Wyoming is the largest provider of America's coal, allowing you and your parents, college roommate's cousin, and the rest to turn on the lights and not pay an arm and or leg on electricity every month. Perhaps without even knowing you relied on coal. Wyoming has also relied on the coal industry to fund well, everything. Education, law enforcement, roads. It's transformed the city where I am now from a quote cow town to what it is today, a populated, albeit small, city. A city, by the way, with fewer and fewer opportunities.
4: You know, without without work in a small town, there is no reason to be there. I mean, but I'm a fourth-generation, or my son now is a fourth-generation born Wyoming kid. So, But I'm really seriously considering now I'm going to have to probably leave the state. I mean, it's a, it's a reality of the economics.
0: Soon after I spoke with Ty, he did leave. He moved his family from Gillette to Rock Hill, South Carolina to work at a gold mine. Something he definitely didn't plan to do. Ty's story is becoming increasingly common here. I never expected to be in this seat today. Thinking about, or frankly worrying about, the fate of the coal industry. By that, I more mean worried about the fate of Wyoming and its communities. Because I didn't grow up in Wyoming. I grew up in New Jersey. The Garden State, home of The Sopranos.
1: But lately I'm getting the feeling that I came in at the end. The best is over.
0: A place that seriously debates over the best bagel. Or, you know, debates over anything. There, climate change, not coal revenue, is the source of anxiety. Which I'm worried about too, obviously. And coal plants contribute to that. There's no way around it. But what folks often miss in dismissing coal out of hand are the difficult transitions that places like Gillette and people like Ty would have to face. Because there isn't some set plan in place. Not like in Canada, where there's literally a national task force meant to help communities transition, apparently. So it makes sense that there's anxiety around what's next in Gillette and Wyoming. God forbid nuance. Now, Wyoming is my home. And believe it or not, I actually care what happens here. What a concept for a heartless journalist. I would love for the decline of one resource in coal not to be the nail in the coffin of any community here. Because if you haven't heard, the electricity-producing resource of coal has fallen out of favor. Environmentally, economically, all of it. The resource once produced half of electricity in this country. It's since fallen to historic lows, with renewables right on its tail. Mind blown, right? It signals a growing change in the trend of energy generation. That change means Wyoming and the city of Gillette has taken a hit to how much coal they can actually sell. I follow trends like this because I cover energy for Wyoming public media. And through my reporting, it's super clear coal's fall from grace comes with consequences through, yes, a loss of jobs, but more existential questions for entire communities and a dangerous drop in revenue to the state's coffers. So for years, folks have been steeped in the same one question, what's next? If coal totally disappears, what's gonna keep this town going? What about keeping the state going, funding the schools, the roads? What's gonna stop the next Ty Cordingly from leaving his home state? Answers come fast and loose, passing over the state like weather, like those huge clouds that move over the wide open prairie whenever you look up here. Not to be cheesy, but I am still not used to how big the sky is here. One answer, vote for a president, that'll save coal.
2: Tell your friends in Wyoming the miners go back to work, okay, will you do that? All right, tell them.
0: Another answer, let's try blockchain. Aircraft support technology, rare earth minerals, recreation, data centers. Guys, 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 what if we cut all the taxes? I'm kidding, sort of. As the solutions come and often go, The amount of coal leaving Wyoming continues to go down and down, making the what's next question more urgent and even harder to answer. I then learned state leaders may have already decided on a core piece of its answer without many even realizing. Become a home to a young industry called carbon capture. It turns out millions of dollars had already been invested into making this thing happen. At first, I was confused, because I've heard of carbon capture. I thought it was mostly supported by Democrats, that it's a technology centered explicitly around the climate, meant to just, I don't know, suck bad emissions out of the air. I've heard Obama talk about it.
2: Today I'm calling for an end of public financing for new coal plants overseas, unless they deploy carbon capture technologies.
0: But then I learned carbon capture is much more complex. Folks like Peabody Coal and ExxonMobil support it apparently alongside one of the most conservative-slash-not-left-leaning states, Wyoming. Meanwhile, some environmentalists like it too, while others really don't.
2: It's, it's, it's a joke. What we ought to be doing instead with private dollars and certainly with public dollars is investing in cleaner energy sources...
0: Than Long story are... short, Cooper confused. So in this series, I try to make sense of this potential solution, this big bet made by Wyoming leaders on their future by cutting past the frustrating and constant rhetoric from all sides and by checking out this technology on my own. Because I don't know where I stand. Is it a silver bullet? For coal country, the planet, both, neither? Gah. To tell this story, I follow one of the first major attempts to make that happen. An international competition aimed at scaling up unique carbon capture tech in an effort to basically turn carbon dioxide into money. So, I want to see if this technology can be scaled up, can make money, create jobs, and even keep the next tie accordingly here while they're at it. Can create a carbon valley.
2: Kind of like Silicon Valley, except carbon valley, and hopefully, all
0: that while somehow helping the climate, too. For any of that to happen, a lot has to go right. I mean, a lot. So, with some serious hype around this young tech from Elon Musk, the past three presidents, Wyoming fossil fuel companies, and probably more, let's see if it can work. From Wyoming Public Media, this is Carbon Valley. Following the race to develop an unlikely climate solution. I'm Cooper McKim. In part one, we explore how Wyoming leaders are handling the decline of coal and one solution they hope will save it. We also meet someone who plans to capture billions of tons of carbon dioxide with this technology. Okay, how did we get here? Well, the story begins in the middle of the 20th century, when coal found a massive new customer, the electrical industry. Coal was once just a resource for railroads and home heating, but then a whole bunch of things suddenly came together pushing coal into the spotlight. A desire not to rely on oil, important environmental legislation, and a newly developing power grid. All of a sudden, demand for coal rocket launched. Is that a thing? Power plants everywhere began to use it. And lucky for Wyoming, it had plenty to go around under the earth and with less bad stuff than what's mined in Appalachia, the other coal country. It can all be found within a structure called the Powder River Basin. Coal seams in the basin are the thickest found anywhere in North America and rank among the most
2: valuable in the world. Coal can be our energy bridge to the future. Well, then you don't anticipate this just being a fly-by-night thing?
1: No, no, there'll be coal mining in this area for a
0: long time. Uh Wyoming was a promised land for those wanting open country, cheap land, and a big salary. Thanks to coal's dominance, the state could afford to build one of the best public school systems in the country, the nation's largest rainy day fund, and not even have an income tax. Retired Wyoming coal miners remember the beginning.
1: Oh, it just boomed, I mean.
3: <laughs> it was a dirty yeah. boom town when he businesses came were here in 69. When
1: I came here in 69, there was, what, three restaurants? Yeah.
3: And about two paved streets in yeah. Gillette was yeah. all-
1: I all mean, it just, it just boomed the whole economy of the county. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they took a guy... And, barely had a high school education, and uh, paid executive wages for quite a number of years. You couldn't do nothing wrong and make money. Coal was high, they were shipping it out of here faster than they could get it in the railroad car, and it just went downhill from there.
0: That downhill began around 2008, for forever. Coal production had just been going up and up, and then the roller coaster turned in the other direction, also known as down. That happened for a bunch of reasons. Natural gas had gotten real cheap, renewables made a surge, plus climate concerns were starting to impact the decisions of utilities, who have a choice to keep investing in a coal plant versus some other resource. As a response to coal struggles more than a decade ago, Wyoming leaders took a step to halt the downturn. Invest in carbon capture. Assign money to making this very young and not commercialized array of technologies a thing. A money-making thing. All as a way to make coal more palatable to the climate-concerned and emissions feared world. Those early efforts never paid off. The governor then faced pushback that carbon capture was a, quote, endorsement of climate change recognizing coal has negative climate impacts. And frankly, the dream might have just died there, before 2010 even hit. But it did not. Oh, did it not die there? Before we go any further, let's not pretend anyone knows what carbon capture even is. When I moved to Wyoming, I thought it was one thing. Some science fiction vacuum used solely to help the climate. Pretty much this.
1: What if we could just suck the CO2 right out of the air, undoing some of the damage that has been done?
3: Well,
0: I wasn't actually totally wrong. It can be that or about a million other things that aren't like that at all. Turns out I'm not alone in my confusion. First, I called up my friend, Aaron. You've heard the words carbon capture before.
2: Yes, but to be fair, I'm friends with you.
0: Okay, so let's let's just start with the most basic thing. Of, like, if you, if you, what do you think of if you heard the words carbon capture?
2: I imagine, like, well, I think at first, when I first thought of it, I thought it was carbon monoxide, and I was like disappointed to learn it's carbon dioxide. I guess, like, I imagine some sort that is of. so
0: random. Why? <laughs> what? Why? First of all, why were you disappointed?
2: Because isn't carbon monoxide, like, really harmful and carbon dioxide is just breathing?
0: Carbon dioxide is a greenhouse gas, though. It turns out most people could use some clarity. But, you know, I basically just wanted to know, like, first of all, like, have you heard the term carbon capture before?
2: Um, No, I've never heard of that.
4: I I don't really understand how it takes place, or how effective it is. (laughs) Well, I've heard the term
3: a couple of times, but if I'm being totally honest, I really have no idea what it entails.
2: I have never heard of carbon capture in my life. But it sounds like it could be some, like, photographic process. Okay, so, like, the image in my head is, like, sort of like a fossilized thing, but it's been, like, a leaf that's imprinted onto a rock from the sun. (laughs)
0: Like a leaf that's imprinted onto a rock from the sun. Hmm, not quite the fact that no one really knows what it is, is not surprising. Carbon capture utilization and storage is an umbrella term. You'll hear the acronym CCUS, or sometimes CCS for carbon capture and storage, often throughout the series. So carbon capture is an insanely wide ranging concept. At its simplest, carbon capture utilization and storage, again, CCUS, is the process of capturing carbon dioxide say, from a coal-fired power plant or right from the air, and either storing it or reusing it. To do that usually takes a bunch of metallic structures with lots of pipes, fans, cooling units, and computers to run it all. Everything I've seen looks pretty sci-fi, I have to say. Folks want carbon capture for lots of different reasons. Probably the most common that I heard, though, is its potential to help slow climate change, that developing this thing is, in fact, necessary to addressing climate change. You know, by cutting back those emissions that are the hardest to get rid of, say from factories. CCUS is often referenced within this well-known climate goal talked about all over the world. Basically, by 2050, a bunch of countries want to reach net zero emissions, which means eliminating as many emissions as are put out, you know, by everyone altogether. Easy. Um,
2: well, without uh, CCUS meeting net zero goals would be virtually impossible.
0: This is a pretty common sentiment. As I keep researching carbon capture, there are seemingly unlimited approaches. And in terms of helping the climate, they don't all seem to be created equally. There's one approach that might suck carbon dioxide out of a power plant and pump it underground. Knowing nothing more, that sounds good. There's another approach though, looking to use carbon dioxide to pump more oil out of the earth. Climate-wise, I have questions. Another might pull carbon dioxide straight from the air.
2: One of our plants does the
0: work of 40 million trees. Another approach, combine carbon dioxide with other chemicals to create products. products,
2: Whether it's cinder blocks, uh, whether it's petrochemicals, whatever it may be, I don't know what that solution will be, but.
0: That's the voice of a relevant character in all this, named Matt Mead. A tall, presidential-looking guy and the former Wyoming governor. He was born in Jackson, you know, where all the good skiing is, he exudes calm. He's very interested in that part of carbon capture that turns waste into money. It's the U part of CCUS for utilization, I learn. Here's the idea. If you can turn the pollution from coal plants into viable commercial products, basically give value to another aspect of coal, bada-bing, bada-boom, maybe things will turn around.
2: To the extent that the pressure is being put on coal, because of CO2, if in fact we can solve that problem, I mean, it's not the end of the challenges for coal production, but it's certainly, in my mind, the biggest challenge for coal production. If you can solve that, you, you not only help the coal industry, but you may be able to create industries out of that in our own backyard where coal is so plentiful and, and what that could mean to job for jobs and the economy.
0: The problem, though, was that the carbon capture utilization industry if you can call it that, needed a push, a big push, something to jumpstart it. It's not exactly secretly making lots of money and you just don't know. It turns out lots of folks want the tech to work on a big scale, like the governor, but that it's not there yet, not even close. I hear folks say it might need a few billion dollars. That could help. I'm hearing that from supporters of carbon capture.
4: But it's still very early days. So I'd say it's growing, but it's got a heck of a long way to go. This is like... Inning
0: one. To help it happen a little bit faster, Mead had to do something big, something that could jumpstart the industry, shine a spotlight on Wyoming, help make the tech widely profitable. Sure, they put money in the state budget to support more research, work to establish a CO2 pipeline, got discussions started. But in terms of big, well he and some allies made a pitch. Let's build a carbon capture research center next to a coal plant, the dry fork station, and then host an international competition as its first tenant. All to get the CCUS ball rolling right here. There was resistance at first, according to Mead, but eventually it worked, permission granted.
2: Well, it was the first opportunity I saw to, to make some headway
0: Forget your billions in investment. Let's build this multi million dollar site and host this competition to make our carbon dioxide profitable right now. Bring in five promising startups who can already capture CO2 and turn it into something, and make them compete for a big prize. The competition's name the Energy COSIA Carbon X Prize. Today, Our planet's atmosphere contains more carbon dioxide than we've ever seen in human history. As one of the leading drivers of climate change, CO2 is a problem that's only getting worse. But what if we didn't have to choose between our economy and our environment? What if we could turn our carbon liability into an asset? The truth is, CO2 can be recycled into valuable products at a scale that could transform our global economy, but it won't happen on its own. The NRG Cosia Carbon X Prize is a $20 million competition to convert carbon dioxide into valuable products. This is the competition that Wyoming fought to host in order to actually take the lab-scale tech to the real world, to the money-making level. This appeared to be Mead's way to take the silver bullet possibility to a silver bullet let's reality. Just,
2: let's say that one of the competitors or several of the teams find a great utilization of CO2 flue gas. They're going to go to the places where flue gas is available. And that is in places like uh, Wyoming, like Campbell
0: County. And there's the dream. Help companies get commercialized that need something that Wyoming has, emissions. Maybe this competition and the site it was built on can help give coal a second life by giving value to its emissions and adapt to climate-challenging times. Meade traveled back and forth to California to meet with the X-Prize folks, and he was convinced.
2: You know, they often call them, and others call it, you know, worse, the moonshot? How do you, how do you solve something that needs to be solved, but because of the magnitude, seems so difficult that no one's really seemed to tackle it.
0: But maybe this can help install a new industry in Wyoming and Gillette, the coal capital of the world, and stop folks like Ty from leaving remember, the coal miner we heard from earlier. And what's great? This competition was already moving fast. At this point, it's early 2019, and the competition is set to be done in just over a year. Perhaps the research site and the competition could spark a whole wave of companies that want to turn coal pollution into products, and hence, money.
2: My hope was that it would provide stability in that industry for so many that have worked in there and and provided so much for the rest of Wyoming, but also diversify into sort of a little science tech area.
0: Meade was not alone. I spoke with a bunch of folks who were thrilled at the prospect of hosting this competition. Part of the reason, Gillette was facing hard times when all this was gaining publicity. There were multiple major coal bankruptcies with hundreds of layoffs. One person called the competition a shot in the arm for the community. Another, a way to jumpstart Carbon Valley. A county commissioner named Rusty Bell says the Carbon X Prize offered tangible hope.
4: The other thing is it's exciting to have those companies um, come to an area that we love so much and you get to, they get to stay in our community and, and actually live in our community for a while. And, and you never know, maybe they just learn to love it here and they want to open a business here.
0: Bell is county commissioner where the competition will take place in Gillette. He's a short, optimistic guy who's good at picking up the phone. He's a good talker, perhaps why he's become a kind of spokesman for the community. But he wants to see a path forward maybe this will herald a new era for coal country.
4: Those folks don't care whether they put that coal in a train and it comes back into Campbell County or it comes on a conveyor belt and they build some construction materials from it or they're building fertilizer from it. And so generally-
0: It was more than that though. A guy named Jeremiah Riemann told me XPRIZE itself wanted to help this community. Riemann worked under Meade and led the state's economic diversification efforts.
2: An element of this conversation Uh, was uh, to start a conversation, a local conversation, about how XPRIZE could help these communities find new economic development opportunities and also look at transition.
0: Riemann is a soft-spoken guy who's used to speaking in front of legislative committees. He says he had conversations with XPRIZE of how they could help bring resources into this carbon space and help spark innovation.
2: And so I really do think XPRIZE was uh, interested in this and partnering with us in in more advanced ways than simply trying to find a site to host their teams in Wyoming.
0: I keep asking around because I don't know how to feel about any of this. I'm hearing that the competition could help provide a boost to the area, provide economic stimulus and a new industry. I'm also hearing that it's really, really hard for carbon capture utilization to be profitable without, you know, a lot of incentives and time. That a new industry could be a long, long ways away. Even if everything goes as planned, all while coal is going away fast. How much can a competition really do? So here I am, now about six months away from when this Carbon X Prize competition is supposed to arrive in Wyoming. It's already been in the works for years. So far, I know this tech is hard, but its potential benefits seem huge, whatever side of the debate you're on. I wanted to see how the finalists themselves felt about this competition, why they were participating. Was it the same as Wyoming to help coal? The first contestant I spoke with was a guy named Jason Salfie. are one
3: participants in the meeting. This meeting is being recorded.
0: Hello, I'm looking for uh, Jeff.
3: This is Jason.
0: Jason, sorry, it was, it was spelled in the email. Um, the- I'm such a great journalist.
3: So uh, my name is Jason Selfie. I'm CEO and co-founder of Dimensional Energy.
0: And a finalist in the Carbon X Prize. This is the first time I ever spoke with Jason, as you might be able to tell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically I'll just take probably two 10-second cuts and use a lot of what you said on background. Uh, yeah. So since then, we've probably talked for like 50 hours. Why? I'll tell you later. First, I learned Jason's team wasn't actually chosen as a finalist off the bat. So um, how did it happen that Dimensional Energy and you got became a part of this competition uh, now?
3: We, we, uh, we were in the first two rounds of Carbon X Prize, and um, what ended up happening was the team dropped out, and it turned out that we were an alternate without us knowing that. So we're, we're excited to have that opportunity. And the good news is, is we'll be able
0: to- Jason said he was pumped about the competition, actually getting to set up shop in the real world and collect data, which apparently ain't easy. After that call, I found I kept thinking about it. His excitement was kind of rubbing off on me. I at least had to know how it would play out. With that, plus all the hope for carbon capture in the state, I got this idea. What if I followed Jason as a way to explore Wyoming's commitment to developing carbon capture utilization and storage? Of course, there are many other avenues to answer the what's next question in Wyoming, but to focus on for a whole series, Carbon capture is one the state has decided to commit to, over the course of years, with millions of dollars, whether anyone likes it or not. Leaders see it as a real solution for the state's bottom line, for coal and for Wyomingites themselves. With these economic struggles just getting worse, results may need to start coming sooner than later. And the competition was the first action I'd seen that felt as urgent as everyone actually sounded. Jason and the other competitors, after all, would be arriving in the equality state within months, working on the ground to give value to CO2 coming straight from a coal-fired power plant. If I followed along, I could see how hard it really is to accelerate this elusive technology, and importantly, see if any of the finalists know or care that they were brought in to help jumpstart an industry and an economy, not just improve their tech and go home, that they're part of a Hail Mary pass to save coal before it collapses. Jason felt like the perfect candidate to shepherd me through the story. So one night, I impulsively called him up and asked if I could just follow along while he participated in the XPRIZE. And he said sure. All right, so why was Jason the right guy to help me tell this story? Well, first, his technology. It wasn't like any of the other four XPRIZE teams. Jason won't just plug in his emission-sucking reactor platform to the grid which would probably use fossil fuels for electricity. Instead, he makes his own power through solar energy, aimed at reducing emissions even further. He explained it on our very first phone call.
3: So what we're doing is taking sun and delivering that useful part of the spectrum into our reactor and driving the reduction of carbon dioxide. So in our case, for this competition, we are uh, making syngas,
0: you're probably wondering what the heck he's talking about okay stick with me as I do my best to explain it basically their technology is a platform of tech including a reactor one that turns carbon dioxide into a low emission fuel using solar power basically it's robotic photosynthesis like what plants do but with tech not plants I also don't know what it looks like yet maybe a sunflower Another reason Jason was a good story shepherd, his goal with the X Prize is not the same as Wyoming's. His interest is first and foremost in helping the climate, not saving coal.
3: It, like that carbon dioxide doesn't need to come from a coal plant. In fact, it'd be better if it didn't. There's a lot easier sources than coal plants to, to deal with.
0: Obviously that's interesting to me. Does he realize this is why the Prize and hence him are coming to Wyoming? effectively to help this resource? Another reason I stick with Jason, it's clear that his team is the underdog. Dimensional Energy entered late as an alternate. They're months behind every other team. And even worse, they missed out on half a million dollars that every other team got to help set up in Wyoming. That was part of the deal in entering late.
3: Unfortunately, the team that dropped out got to keep that money and um and we didn't get it. So, so that would be really helpful.
0: And the last reason, Jason really struck me. After that first call, I wanted to keep talking. He was unlike anyone I'd spoken to in energy. He talked like a surfer, which I learned he was. It was clear he was speaking from the heart, that he didn't have walls up, even speaking with some random reporter. This is not usually how my work calls go, which are often cursory, skeptical, perhaps resistant to journalists. Jason had a magnetic quality that drew me in. As we'll learn, I'm not the only one who feels this way.
3: Really
2: quickly, you get that Jason is not your typical CEO. If I I may say so and be a bit blunt.
1: If you put a gun to my head and said, tell me who is God... I would say Selfie, because he has magical powers that aren't describable. He is omnipresent, he is omnipotent, and as far as I give two shits about, he is omniscient. Like, that makes God to me. Of course, like, it's good not to put him up on too much of a pedestal, but he is
0: impressive. And just like that, I'm off. I depart down my carbon capture path. Following one company through the trials and tribulations of making a lab-scale technology scale up to the big times, the major leagues. For some, to help save the climate. Others to help give coal a second life, boost the community, a state's economy, and stop coal miners like Ty Cordingley from leaving. This competition feels to me like the nerdy journalism version of The Bachelor, which I may or may not enjoy. It's actually bringing folks to Wyoming to do the kind of work Wyoming leaders want. But, and this is important, I can't help but think a lot has to go right for there to be new jobs as a result. And there's this little feeling that it's not just gonna be smooth sailing. So let's start from the beginning.
3: Well, let's see, so how did I get into this? How did I get into this world of carbon dioxide? Even where you
0: where you you grew up to where you are now. Oh wow. Next time on Carbon Valley, the competition comes to Wyoming.
1: But nobody's here in this part of the world. It's it's so empty. It's so empty.
0: And I learned that Jason's competitors are very confident in their technology. Is there any team that you could see beating yours? Uh, No,
1: I don't want uh, 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 to make predictions or to be too vain, but no.
0: That's in part two. The show is produced by Noah Greenspan and me, Cooper McCann. Anna Raider is our digital producer. Aaron Jones and Melody Edwards help with story editing and we had production assistance from Micah Schweitzer. Our theme music is by Mark Giuliana. Other music done by Ketza, Storyblocks, Kelpie, Vegas, and Blue Dot. Carbon Valley is a production of Wyoming Public Media.
3: You got an interesting
0: story in front of you, for sure. You're like You're The whole skateboarder guy does carbon capture is a hilarious thing to follow along with.
1: That was episode one of Carbon Valley. I hope you enjoyed it. If you are interested, you can find more episodes at Wyoming Public Media. Thank you again to Cooper McKim and Noah Greenspan. And thank you for listening. I'm Mike Osborne. We'll see you next time.